My mom had just got a new job as a deputy at the sheriff's office in a town surrounded by thick woods on one side and the sea off the coast of Washington State some miles west of Victoria. It wasn't too big, but not staggeringly small. They had a Walmart and the drive to the city wasn't too hard to achieve. My school was a one-story building with a gym, computer lab, standard-sized library, and about eight classrooms, so getting to class was quick and easy. The only downside being no official cafeteria, but a fully stocked kitchen. The food was often delivered to our homerooms, where we would report to for lunch break and free period. Another plus was that we only had four classes a day, so we were able to arrive at 10, have lunch, then start our one-hour classes. We had our 40-minute homeroom, where we would gather supplies for the day, finish homework, catch up, use the bathroom and hear school announcements and watch the news on donated TVs. Then the first of our five-minute change of classroom started. Being a small school with under 50 students, it was easily managed. I already had a friend to help me get around. Jacob had been my best friend since we were kids, and when we had moved here two years ago, we stayed strong friends over Skype and phone. I broke my lamp in excitement two months ago when my mom told me we were moving to where he was. Jacob let me know the rules, how to easiest navigate school life, and mostly, who was who and how to connect, and who to avoid. I was packing up my history notes when I finally noticed her in the back corner. She was willowy, not much of a figure, but not too tall with long dark hair that hid some of her face. She was still writing in her journal. The teacher had long gone already and the school would be closed soon for the night. Hey, class is over, I called. She didn't move except her scribbling. Hey, I called again, now nervous I might have to talk to her even more. I didn't like talking to others if I could avoid it. I felt Jacob yank me away out of the classroom. Dude, no, don't talk to her. What? Why? I asked, rubbing my wrist where he pulled me. That's Maria Gutierrez. Her grandpa is scary as hell, man. He explained as we walked to his car. We only lived a few blocks away and our houses were across from each other. Once outside, he started up his old Corolla and carefully drove out of the parking lot. Rumor is the old man killed his wife and son and kidnapped Maria. She never, ever talks. Like, ever. Ah, oh, come on, that can't be true. I mean, wouldn't the cops have taken him away? I asked, knowing how much Jacob liked tall tales and gossip. Yeah, but, you see, they can't prove it, he said. Well, what about a DNA test on her? Well, I mean, okay, he got me there, but what if he killed her parents? His son went missing and washed up on the lake shore in pieces. They said a bear did it, but you never know, he said in a spooky voice. Lake? As in Lake Derrick? I asked. Yeah, I mean, a lot of kids go there to mess around. Speaking of which, you want to go up tonight? As much as I hated socializing, I decided to go if only to keep Jacob out of trouble. 
We went to the lake, parked by a chain-link fence with a huge hole cut into it. Sneaking through the fence, we saw a group of people smoking and drinking. I recognized a few people from school. Cole, meet Macri. But call him Mac. You see, this tall jerk was my only saving grace I had when I first got here, Jacob said. I shook the stranger's hand. Jacob had mentioned him a few times. He was tall with blonde hair and light brown eyes. I noticed he had scars on his shoulders, but was relaxed and slouched lazily, wearing blue jeans, a sleeveless rock band shirt, combat boots, and a shark tooth necklace. Jakey, I want to go for a swim. You want to join? He asked gleefully, as if planning something nefarious. Nah, man, I haven't even had a drink yet, Jacob said with a laugh. Take my buddy here on one of your famous adventures. Just don't get tangled in the rocks again. Ah, dude, I got out, minus some skin, Mac muttered before putting a long arm around my shoulders. How about it, Cole? I gave Jacob a look to help, but he was too busy joking around with the two other people. I didn't come to annoy my friend. I reluctantly nodded and was led away by Mac. Cole, come on, let's go visit old Mr. G, Mac said. I dug my heels in. Wait, isn't that bad? Nah, come on, Mac said, taking off his jeans and shirt. He kicked off his shoes and waded into the water. I sighed. Might as well just stay in the shallow area. I undressed to my boxers and went in. He waded along the edge of the rocks, and I noticed some that were broken off from the wall. Weird, right? You see, this used to be connected to the sea, Max said, and he stood on a boulder above the lake. They'd find all kinds of fish that swam through this underwater cave from the cove, and that's why the water smells so salty. Plus, this lake is a goddamn hole. My pop said that they used to scuba dive into it, till the main cave collapsed. It blocked off all the other underwater caves. Now it's just a deep-ass lake. But I bet you down there, and... What my folks call way deep? There's probably something. There's no way, I said, scrambling up the boulder. People would have noticed or something. Well, then how do you explain the disappearances? Mac asked with a grin. In the last ten years, there's been 35 drownings in this lake, and the bodies, well, they're never found. Everyone thinks it was old man Gutierrez. Since he lives out here and acts like he's hiding something. Well, I bet he axed off his wife that way. You see, everybody thinks he dumps the bodies in the lake, weighing them down so that they can never be found. Seriously? I asked. I kid you not. I try to get Jakey out here, but <laughs> dude can't swim. I still love him, though. He slurred slightly. Plus, I got stuck in them at one point. Maybe I was drunk, but... It felt like something was yanking me into the water. Yeah, um, I think I need to go get back. I have a curfew, I said, trying to find an excuse to get out of the creepy lake. Psh, whatever, man, Max said. Tell Jakey I'll be back soon. I nodded and scuttled up the rocks to get my clothes on. As I walked back, I saw a familiar figure. Marla. She was staring at the lake several meters from me. 
just standing there on the edge like she was frozen. Her long dark hair fluttered along with her deep red skirt that brushed the dirt around her feet. I thought to call out, but just wanted to find Jacob and go. I found him coming up the path, and I told him everything I had heard. He froze, looked shocked and scared, and he pushed past me. We gotta get Mac. What? Why, what's wrong? I asked. Dude, you left a drunk guy to go swimming in a lake that is super deep, he said, and I immediately felt guilt come over me. We went back to the rocks, not seeing him. Where is he? Jacob asked, distraught. I suddenly realized Mac and Jacob must have been closer than I first thought. I think he wanted to go prank Mr. Gutierrez, I said, and Jacob quickly made his way around the lake. I was cold from my still wet hair and sweaty at the same time from walking and nerves. We finally made it over to a rough looking lake house. The wood exterior looked murky, the porch littered with dirt and dead leaves, the wooden railings splintering and rotting. Is this it? I whispered too loudly. Yeah, Jacob said in a better volume. He might be around the dock, it leads to the house. He must have done this before with Mac. I followed him to a dock that led into a garage-like area. I assumed it would hold a boat and opened for smooth takeoff into the lake. The lake went into it, the water going under a thick aluminum steel door into a pool I assumed a boat or canoe would be docked to. Jacob went to the door and jiggled the handle, finding it unlocked. He slowly opened the door and we gasped at the sight. Leading from the pool where a worn rowboat was, blood was leading out of, along the edge and into the house. The door cracked open slightly. From the blood pattern, it looked like someone was dragged, and in the blood smears was a familiar, shark-toothed necklace. I covered my mouth to keep in a fearful shout and keep from stating that Mac might be gone. I suddenly realized the rumors about Mr. Gutierrez were true. I grabbed on to Jacob, who had picked up the necklace and gave a breathy shudder. We had to leave. But that's when we heard a faint shouting. It was Mac. He was still alive. We have to get help, I whispered to Jacob. It might be too late when they get here he said, and I remembered with cold dread we had left our cell phones in Jacob's car, halfway around the lake. He was right. Gutierrez could kill Mac before we even had the chance to call for help. We went through the door into the kitchen to find Marla hiding under a table, hugging her knees and drenched. I kneeled next to her and her large eyes fixed on me. You okay? Have you seen our friend? I asked. She looked at us, eyes wide and afraid as she clutched the fabric of her long skirt and nodded. Is he alive? Jacob asked and she nodded again. Do you know where he is? Another nod. Where's your grandfather? I asked her. She pointed to the window and we peeked out to see the grizzled old man going into a shed. We heard a machine start, maybe a table saw, and immediately knew we only had a small window of time to find Mac. 
Can you show us where he is? I asked Marla. She nodded and started to crawl from under the table through the door. We thought it was to stay out of sight from the windows. She led us through a hallway into the back room. She still crawled forward despite us being out of sight from the windows, and we stood up. I noticed newspaper clippings on the wall. Most were about people missing from the lake, or even sightings of a strange creature. And framed on the wall was a news article about a man's remains being recovered on the rocks near the lake. There was also a shrine to the same man and an older woman in the corner. There were several pictures with Mr. Gutierrez. Two newspaper obituaries were laminated in plastic. Alma, who died of breast cancer, and Derek, who had been attacked by a bear. Mr. Gutierrez didn't kill his family, or he had staged their deaths. There were too many questions on my mind. Jacob walked over to another shrine. On the table was a large wooden box with chains wrapped around it. The smell was horrible and like rotting roadkill. It had a glass top. I fought the urge to vomit when I saw it was the torso and head of a woman. Her waist was covered with scales and looked like she had been cut in half. Nails long, hair greenish, and scales along with two leathery fins next to her in the box. I also noticed the teeth were all sharp as steak knives, like a shark. Her body was decomposing. Skin was leathery and hanging off the bones. The stench that escaped that box was horrible. On the box carved onto the border it said, Fair is fair. Trade a life, take my child, take my knife, rest in pieces. Like your prey, sleep now devil, evil still stays. Marla opened a trap door in the floor and pointed inside. Marla, what is this? Jacob asked with his hands out. Marla looked at the shrine and mouthed, Father, Derek's your dad. Okay, but what is this thing? I asked, voice cracking as I gestured at the box. She pointed again to the inside of the trap door. I finally noticed the same smell of rotting meat came from there too. But it was fresher. I shook my head. What is this monster? I mean, why is it here? Did it kill your dad? What the hell is it? Marla stared at us for a long time before smiling. Her lips opened to reveal the same sharp, shark-like teeth. In a lyrical voice, she said, My mother, of course. Jacob pushed me out of the room and slammed the door behind us. Marla screeched like some alien creature and banged on the door within. We quickly ran back to the kitchen, seeing Mac being helped onto the table, wearing a splint made of crudely cut pipes and blankets. Mr. Gutierrez made sure he was okay before whirling on us. What in the hell are you doing here? You think I put up that damn gate for decoration? He shouted before going pale at hearing Marla screeching. You all need to get lost. Here, you take my truck and you get out of here. Make sure no one comes near the lake. That thing in the box. Is that the thing that killed all those people? I said, connecting the dots. 
came in from the sea and... Yeah, it got trapped here, Gutierrez said, looking for his keys. It lured my son and... Such a romantic boy, who wouldn't want to be friends with a mermaid? But she, well, she killed him. I went after it, and I found it and made sure it would never hurt anyone again. And then I found the baby. She looked normal, you know, legs and all. She looked so much like Derek did. And I thought it was all over until our dog went missing. She had eaten him in the bath. She couldn't be out of the water more than a few days or she died like her mother. But she also can't help but to hunt. I let her out to hunt fish and deer, but she started hunting people, Jacob said. I should have... Gutierrez shook his head, finding his keys and handing them to me. Marla is still Derek's daughter. Well, I can't... I can't lose my son again. He shoved Jacob. Now all three of you, you get the hell out of here. Jacob and I grabbed Mac, shuffling out to the truck and starting it as Marla's screams grew louder. The next few hours were a blur. We had driven around the lake to the hole in the gate, got into our car, and made our way to the nearest hospital. Mac had a bite wound on his thigh, which would leave him with a nasty scar and a temporary limp. But he was still alive. My mom grilled me on what happened, but I never told her. And after she noticed how all three of us were scared out of our minds, she decided not to ask any more questions, as long as we promised no one else would get hurt. We never went back to the lake, and as far as we know, Mr. Gutierrez built a new fence, one that was high, smooth bars with spikes on top, impossible to climb or scale. Many people noticed right away it had no door or entryway, as if not trying to keep anyone out, but to keep something in. Inside, the game would run out, the fish would be gone, and Mr. Gutierrez would find his last moments like that of his son. It'd be comforting to think Marla would eventually starve to death, if not for the recent news update about a storm reopening the main cave and the recent disappearances.